Hello, and welcome back to the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some friendly political banter. I'm Kevin Wilson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everyone doing? Jeff, it's been a uh, long week. We're recording this a little earlier than we normally do, though. We've got the debates to get prepared for. Yes. A uh, lot's been going on around the world in Iran and in our own country. You uh, ready for some news and brews to discuss it all? Yeah, a lot. I feel like a lot happened this weekend. It's so been pretty busy. We're, we're jumping off here on Monday, so yeah. it's great. Okay, let's just jump straight into it then. This week we have the Madonna IPA from the Zero Gravity Craft Brewery in Vermont, home of Bernie Sanders. It's a double IPA. It's got a Pilsner malt with some American wheat by their own admission there on the can. It's a hazy gold pour to it. It's pretty hoppy, made from Citra and El Dorado hops, as well as a little uh, lemon-lime flavor added to it, courtesy of the uh, Matuaika hops, Ooh. which previous listeners will realize that's a that's a repeat hop alert there. We yeah. had that last week for the first time as well. That's uh, hops out of New Zealand. In our, we had them in, what was it, the rinse and repeat from yeah. last week. And you killed the name on that. You're, we assume. You're professional. Yeah, obviously. no one else uh, has corrected me yet, so I'm just going to assume that's the proper pronunciation and run with it. Great job. But it's great, and I love the flavor those hops add to this beer. It's about 8% alcohol uh, by volume there. It's a bit misleading because the body of this beer is so refreshing and light. Does you wouldn't not think taste. it was 8%. No, <laughs> not even close. And normally, I, I kind of, in my mind at least, as an IPA guy, I think of refreshing and light as kind of a knock on a beer. But in this one, it really, I think, lets the hoppiness speak for itself. Now, Jeff, you were just telling me you didn't really think this was as hoppy as I do. No, I really didn't. I, th- I feel like the refreshing and light, they hit it with that. It just gives me like a, a sense of lemonade. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, not like, you know, no, I get not it. Like like the what, but like that's, and, uh, yeah, the body that's kind of, of the yeah. thought I had of it. Like this, I think we talked about, we had a beer similar to this recently that felt like a good beer that you might drink if you're like mowing the lawn or something <laughs> on a hot day in an afternoon. That's what kind of this jumped out. It's a little stronger, I think, than that when I the name's yeah. escaping mm-hmm. me. But you know, for somebody that's not a big fan of the hoppiness in beers, I think this is a really, really good. I like it. Yeah, I'm impressed that you said that because I think we we've turned your taste buds around. I think you've here. ruined me. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. So, yeah, this is um, uh, 90 IBUs, so that's a scale. I don't think we've ever actually talked about IBUs on this. But oh, yeah, can um, you tell me about that? Yeah, so the IBUs is the uh, international bitterness units, if you oh, would okay. believe it. That's a real thing. And it's rated on a scale of 1 to 100, or 0 to 100, I guess. Uh, and this one rates a 90. So it's really hoppy I think and, that and bitter. And I, <laughs> I taste it. It sounds like you don't. Huh? I don't know. Mm. To each their own, I guess. Maybe I've grown. <laughs> yeah. Good beer, though, actually. But it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and this beer is actually named after the uh, Madonna Peak over in Vermont. That's where you'll find Smuggler's Notch Ski Resort. Any of you people are familiar with skiing. Are you big skier, Jeff? I have skied. Um, I grew up in Michigan, so we not skied on, on there. hills, not mountains. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? But uh, yeah, I'm fine at I can't snowboard. <laughs> you I, ski? I've gone skiing once in my entire life, and I shattered my leg doing it. So Really? Yeah. Shout out to my buddy Brian out there who took me on that ski trip. <laughs> That's funny. I took snowboard lessons one time and couldn't walk for like a week. I had the biggest fucking bruise on my back. So yeah, yeah. I bet I couldn't manage skis, let alone having both feet strapped to. Yeah, one can't board. can't do that. No way. <laughs> uh, I did want to say about this though. The can. What about it? I'm sure we're gonna put a picture on our uh, social media. Sure. I think it was made in 1963. <laughs> it's just I, like I don't know yeah. what the color consistency of it. I could see that. 
It's kind of a, it's a throwback can. I, I think it adds to the charm of this beer. Yeah. It's definitely vintage looking. And uh, they want to keep Vermont green. So yeah, it's recyclable. Right. There you go. So check out the Madonna IPA from the Zero Gravity Craft Brewery in Burlington, Vermont, if you ever get a chance. It is delicious. It's a great summer beer. And I think they brew this specifically for the summer. Okay. It's a rotational one. All right. On that note, let's dive into the topics of the week. Tough week. It's been a tough week. And just right off rip, let's just mention uh, uh, the debates are happening this week. And by the time this episode airs, the debates have happened. Okay. Right? We'll probably be dropping this on a Friday. So we're recording this a little earlier than that. If you're looking for some debate analysis, that'll be coming next week. So tune in then as well. So yeah. little, uh, a little teaser there for what's to come. Yeah, we got some good stuff coming from the debates, hopefully. We've got a... Uh... Hopefully some of you are attended our, our viewing party there. I'm just going to go ahead and say thank you to the hundreds of people yeah. that showed up at our debate party Incredible. yesterday. It, what a turnout, <clears throat> right? I'm sorry the pizza didn't get there quicker, but I hope everybody enjoyed the um, great alcohol selection and the hors d'oeuvres. It was very fancy. I can only assume. <laughs> I hope history doesn't prove me wrong here on this. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, our topics this week are not as exciting no, it's not great. They're uh, kind of depressing. Let's start off with what's been going on with Iran. I know we touched on this last week with some news about the oil tankers that were attacked in the uh, Strait of Hormuz yep. in Iran. Well, things have kind of escalated since then. Last Wednesday, Iran decided to shoot down a uh, U.S. drone that the United States claims was flying over international waters while Iran says was flying over their territory. So there's been a little he said, she said going on there. Regardless, a unmanned aerial vehicle, UAV, a drone, was shot down by Iran last week. And that really ratcheted tensions up. You know what's sad about this? This is probably the first time in my life that I've ever had to... So we say it was international waters. They say it's over their territory. There, I can't think back, and I really thought about this, to another time when I like, thought that maybe the foreign hostile power was telling the truth over us. Right. This is the first time in my life that I was like, not really sure who to believe here. The, and that, that speaks to the huge credibility problem this administration has right now. And we touched last week about the fact that even our allies don't necessarily believe yeah. us on they the oil proof. tanker attacks. They want to like, prove. Yeah, show us. Yeah, what do you got, America? Did you have a similar thought on this? Yeah, I originally, and again, we'll probably never know the yeah. exact truth of, of this. My first reaction was, Holy shit, this was shot down flying over Tehran. Right. And the U.S. is saying it's an act of war as a pretense to go to war. Yeah. Now, it turns out it was over water, so it's a little, you know, there's a little more leeway there. Big U.S. Yeah. Uh, borders there. But it's sad that my first reaction to this was we just staged an attack or flew yeah. so close that they had no choice but to attack us yeah. so that we could have an excuse to I thought the same thing. Our allies push back on the oil tanker thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden this happens really quickly after. Right. Um, And it it felt like our 2019 weapons of mass destruction. Absolutely. This is going to be. It felt like here we go. And I'm sure there were members of the administration that said, this is it. This is our moment to get the public behind us. And didn't really anticipate most of the public calling bullshit on it. Yeah. I don't think there's a big backing here for going to war with iran i just don't think there's a it doesn't seem popular in any i'm sure there's a lot of polls out about it It just doesn't seem popular on any level for anybody 
So in response, apparently, the United States military had a bunch of strikes, in Trump's words, uh, cocked and loaded to Uh go. There were three sites in Iran that were supposedly targeted, and according to Donald's own words on Twitter, he called off the retaliatory strike just minutes before it happened because he was informed about the cost of life, uh, which would have been about 150 people would have died in retaliation. Strikes. Which is not eye for eye, and obviously. Definitely not eye for eye. And he makes that argument actually himself, saying that this is not an equivalent use of force and would be unfair to have 150 people die when an unmanned drone was shot down. And for once, I agree with him. 100%. I'm 100% on board with him not going through with these strikes hey, and Donald killing Trump. 150 Iranians. We obviously aren't behind a lot of the stuff you do here. But I want to say good job here. Yeah. We're going to dive into why this is a just disaster in two seconds, but good job on this. Actually stopping that attack, not going for a cheap political win, or even worse, escalating us into a full-blown war. Really, really good job. Right. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, good absolutely. Job. I'll give that credit as well. What, what scares me about it, and I'm sure this has been said a lot, but if you're one of our allies and you're reading this and you're like, wow, they were going to blast people 100 they're gonna kill 150 people and 10 minutes before the strike the person making that ultimate decision didn't know the death count well that's that's a huge issue because like there's no way in hell his initial briefing on these strikes did not include that number right so well, death tolls would always be included. so there's two ways to look at it and we've have a history with trump so we're probably 99 percent sure that that death toll was in there right right but the scarier version it wasn't and Somebody decided because we've seen, unfortunately, how Fox News can change policy and our direction and what we're going at. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of experienced people that work in the government that can probably see that that's happening and probably try to influence decisions from the president in the same manner. Right. That's the scary part about why the Fox thing is so dangerous. Right. Is there a chance that we know um, we know Pompeo wants to go to war? Is there a chance that? the briefing was a little light to try to get this to happen. God, I mean, I hope that's the scary part yeah. of this, right? Trump just getting advice at the last minute and deciding to pull out is not as terrifying, but our own government trying to sway him by not giving him all the information is not great. And it's also plausible in my mind that it was in the briefing and he just didn't pay attention to it and was like, oh, I will look tough by doing this. Let's go ahead with it. And then afterwards... Someone whispered in his ear, hey, man, if you kill a bunch of civilians with these strikes, which might happen, it's going to cause an international incident. And we're doing we're, we're going to war. Yeah, we're doing the escalation at that point. Yeah. We got to go. Thankfully, he had an iota of common sense to say, you know, maybe let's, let's walk this back a little bit. I don't know if it was common sense. I think he cares too much about the optics of him. And someone, like you said, got in his ear and said, this looks bad for you personally. And mm-hmm. he's not willing to do that. Yeah, and I guess, though, regardless of his motivation for calling it off, it was still the right move, so I'm happy he made it. Yep. Don't get me wrong. It has been very strange watching some of the reactions to it, though. We have, uh, like, uh, Dan Crenshaw in the Congress, you know, essentially calling Donald Trump weak for what he did. We've got a completely genuine and honest person, Ben Shapiro, <laughs> talking about, you know, what a wrong move this was. I don't understand people's hard-ons for war. 
we should have learned our lesson by now. Our parents, some of our parents, aunts, uncles fought in Vietnam. Grandparents fought in World War Two. Yeah. We've had, you know, friends and family members fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq for the yep. last, you know, decade and a half. And I don't understand how there's any appetite for war whatsoever in this country. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, unfortunately, all of this stuff you have to look at. And a lot of it, these people want to just change the narrative that's going on right now. There's a lot of bad optics, obviously, with this. And as we've seen with history, and we talked about this, I think, last week, if we're at war with Iran, he's probably getting reelected. I mean, it's just we're not, probably not making that change at a, at a four-year president if we're actively in war. And it makes sense, actually, um, unfortunately. Not that we should keep him, but you know, you can kind of see that thought process of yeah, why we wouldn't want to change out. in leadership during a conflict. Again, like you said, credit where credit's due. Um, I think very dangerous for Trump just with his supporters to be pulling out of these things he says he's going to do because they'll jump all over him if they see a chance. He looked weak and Shapiro said it and Fox News said it. So Yeah, so I'm wondering how that will play out in the long run as some people at Fox are bashing him on his favorite television shows Yeah, and he's going to want to look like a tough guy afterwards to prove them wrong. Which is scary. Terrifying. Definitely. Hey, uh, Donald, keep Stay strong here. Do not bomb Iran. We do not need to go to war with them. Thank you. What he has done since, and this is uh, news as of today while we're recording, he has increased sanctions on a bunch of members of the Iranian government and their military. He's essentially barred the Ayatollah and eight Iranian uh, military commanders from using the international banking system that connects all of our countries. Right. So if they have any kind of assets in Europe, they're not allowed to touch them at this point. It's essentially like freezing those accounts. They can't do anything. It remains to be seen if that's actually going to be a useful tool for persuading anybody because Iran's been under sanctions for a long time. These guys aren't stupid. They probably don't have a lot of money in European banks. Yeah, no. We'll see. It's a nice gesture to look tough, but I'm not really sure it's going to have any actual effect. And again, if this is his gesture to make himself look tough, Great. Fantastic. Keep, I'd rather that yeah, than going keep, to keep war. Keep freezing their bank accounts. Yeah. Let's not um, let's not drop bombs on civilians. I think that's fair. I, I would take that trade off any day. My gut wonders about the other sanctions we have on the country because while I do agree sanctions are the best diplomatic way to go about getting a country to curb behavior or cave to what you want as a negotiating tactic, we've had sanctions in Iran for a long time, right? Yeah. And their inflation rate is through the roof. Yeah. The problem is it's not a democracy where as inflation rises, there's more protests and things like that. It's kind of hard for people to have a say. In a country where the government is as powerful as it is there, they can either, you know, just withstand the barrage of sanctions. Like we've seen authoritative groups like, North Korea withstand international sanctions for decades. Yeah, because it's not hurting the top, and all he cares about the top. And right, all when, we're doing when you is- don't care about the people, it's easy to just say bring on the sanctions because you know who it hurts? The poorest people in the country. I'm glad you made that point. And we just talked about those sanctions, and I said keep going, fine, it's not war. I'm glad you said that because that's not always true, right? Because some of this is now hurting, like you said, the it would the most vulnerable in those countries. It's not hard to imagine that those most vulnerable populations 
are not going to blame their government for the hardship. Ours. They're going to blame the United States for it. That's how you get radicals. Yeah. So it's a very fine line to walk. And I'm not saying I have any answers on this either. I don't think the Obama administration had them either. Although I would say the Iran nuclear deal was a good start. I've said that before. Not according to I'll Trump. stand by it, it. The worst deal of all time. And Trump came out again saying that all of this is to bring them back to the negotiating table. I was like, you know what's a better negotiating tactic? Starting from the deal that you did not renege on. Right. <laughs> and use that as the basis to move forward with more. And grow it. Yeah, yeah. change it how you want. But have Why you would seen, they trust us for anything? Yeah. Have you seen a lot of feedback from our allies on, on what we're doing here with this? Because I haven't. We really, I haven't either. And again, we talked last week about the attack on those two oil tankers. And really, it was just like the UK. I was like, okay. Yeah, no, we trust you. And that's about it. Everybody else was like... Everyone else is still like sitting back, waiting and watching. Okay. Uh, Japan, Abe had just been in Tehran and was trying to almost speak on behalf of the international community because they won't deal with Donald Trump. Right. But I guess Abe has their ear and was trying to mitigate everything that's been going on. Yeah. Historically, if we were going to change sanctions on Iran, we'd generally run that by NATO first. Because sanctions only work if everyone works together. Together on them because we could freeze assets. We never but if to. Europe, any country in the European Union or Russia, for example, says, no, you just do business with us instead, just they just move their funds there. Yeah. So what's the point? You got what assets and what bank? Yeah. We got you covered. Here's a line of credit. You're good until that, that gets unfrozen. That's why it's important to have credibility in the international community. And that's why diplomacy is important. Isolationist tactics, the ones that a lot of people in the White House administration want to focus on just don't make any sense anymore we're such an interconnected community as a globe our countries all do business with each other that you need a coordinated effort to curb bad actors you can't go it alone and it's weird because i don't think donald trump actually wants to go to war no i think he wants to look like a tough guy and he wants to bring us as close as possible in hopes that iran backs down and then he can say look I did it. Art of the deal. Right. I truly believe, and I hope this is right, that he does not in his bones want this country to go to war. No. I don't know if... It's definitely not from a moral perspective. I don't think he gives a shit about killing Iranian people. I think he's just afraid of what it makes him look like and that he'll be remembered or talked down about. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Yeah. So more to come on that, uh, I am cheers. sure. Yeah, let's let's not go to war with Iran. I think yeah. that's our. I will cheers. I think that's to our not overwhelming uh, thought on this. Let's not. Let's bring the terror home then. Ugh. Our next topic, and that's going to be the uh, the widespread use of concentration camps. Yes, I said concentration camps on the podcast. I know we didn't say that previously. We called them internment camps, but you know what? At this point, everything that's happened last week, fuck it. Call them what they are. Kevin, this is a concentration camp. It is at this point. And if you're going to argue with me whether or not it qualifies as a concentration camp versus just a detention center, ask yourself why that distinction is important to you as a person. Yeah. Because if we're arguing over what kind of camp for people is better or worse, maybe just ask, why the fuck do we have camps in the first place? To be the worst semantics argument of all time. <laughs> it's terrible. And I'm so sick of seeing this play out on social media right now, if you can't tell. Um. And, if, <laughs> and to back that up, if you do feel that way, 
and you feel like we're naming this wrong, go read the real stuff. I was saying earlier, I read the Google Doc about all the children that have died during Trump's administration in these camps with names, with backstories, with stories from their parents about what kind of kids they were, what they like to do. Go read that. Then go watch, uh, what's her name, talk about how kids shouldn't have toothbrushes. Oh, and, God, yeah, we'll then, get to her. Yeah, and then tell yourself you know, that you agree with Sarah Fabian and this isn't a concentration camp. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of buried the lead there, I guess. So, no, I hate because to we got, we got emotional on it, but let's... We've seen how passionate both of us have been about this. This yeah. is not a, an easy one to discuss. It's hard to look away from. You want to, but you can't because it's actually happening in our country right now. Right. It's, it's so embarrassing that it's happening here. Jeff, you mentioned uh, Sarah Fabian before, so let's give some context to our listeners about what's been going on then. So Sarah Fabian is a lawyer for the uh, DOJ, Department of Justice, and she went before a bunch of judges, I believe three judges on the uh, Ninth Circuit, Trump's favorite circuit, (laughs) to argue that the children in these camps do not need beds, soap, or toothbrushes. I'm just going to say that again to make that clear. A lawyer for our own Department of Justice argued before federal judges that kids in these camps do not deserve to have soap, beds, or toothbrushes. Okay? That bears repeating because we treat prisoners of war better than this. 100%. And those are people that have attacked us. These are children. Fucking children. Babies. That we are locking in cages... And just dehumanizing them to the point where I guess these guards don't care they call enough them bodies. to give them. They call them bodies. Is that true? It's 100%. Oh my God. Yeah, the, the lawyers that were there that actually probably saved a few lives because they were like, get these kids to hospitals now or they're going to die, um, said they heard on multiple occasions the kids referred to as bodies. How many bodies are in that room? How many bodies are in that case? That's so disgusting. So disgusting. And there's going to be bodies in the literal sense like dead bodies there already have been more kids have died in the last year than have in the last 10 and it's important not to focus i mean the deaths are you can't explain it it's the worst thing atrocity of our lifetime but also like you're also killing these kids in other ways this is not just not just the ones that have unfortunately passed away majority of these kids i'm not a psychiatrist are never going to be the same. Oh, these are going to be broken. Yes. I read a story today about a kid that for extra food, he would play guard. And so he would yell at the other kids to clean up, right? Kid was rewarded by the guards with extra food. That's how you get Stockholm syndrome. And yeah, it's (laughs) absolutely how this works. And then other kids saw him like, oh, fuck, that kid's getting extra food. You know, can I do it too? So they start terrorizing And they would say no. And it's just this manipulative awful situation where you're forcing them to turn on each other because it's going to boil down to like in every man or woman for themselves yeah every story that comes out about this is worse uh there was just a story that came out about a huge lice outbreak they made these kids share the lice combs one of them got lost so in retaliation they took away their blankets and their their bedding that they actually had and made them sleep on the concrete floor because they lost the i mean again Prisoners got treated like this. People are trying to shut down Rikers, right? Right. Because of how bad it is. And these kids would be 
blessed to go to Rikers based on what I'm reading. Two per cell meals, yeah. actual beds. Like, this is fucking crazy. Um, Air conditioning goes off in a prison, and there are protests outside. Yeah, the saying, lights hey, in Brooklyn. These, these prisoners deserve better than this. People should be protesting outside of every single one of these camps every single day and the until number, they're closed. The number that came out today is $775 per child we're paying per day to be in these, to these private in tax companies. tax money, you're saying. To pay in these private companies to do this, which the, the thing I, that I read about this was you could put every one of these kids in a Hilton. <laughs> yeah, for a lot cheaper, right? Yeah, and, and in give better them breakfast. Yeah, meals yeah, and everything. Get the continental breakfast for free. Yep, seven seventy five per kid per day. It's like Sarah Fabian made the argument that providing these detainees, she calls them, which again, children, these children that are in camps, with nothing more than a mylar blanket that they use to sleep on the floor is not a violation of human rights. With the lights on and stuff they call ice lockers because the temperature is so low. Unbelievable. To the judge's credit in this situation, one of these judges actually um, spent time in a Japanese internment camp. He was not about this. Back during World War II and was definitely not about this. Can be quoted as saying, you know, it's within everyone's understanding that if you don't have a toothbrush, you don't have soap, you don't have a blanket, it's not safe and sanitary. Wouldn't everyone agree with that? Don't you agree with that? Saying to Sarah Fabian. And Who is she this didn't. blessed man's name? Let's give him some credit. That's a circuit judge, um, A. Wallace Tashima. Yeah. And none of the three were about this. No, they all, no. They were all, all incredulous were. that she was saying the words that were coming out of her mouth. They were like... Yeah. How, like, how dare you come in here and pretend this you is could, normal? Even more than that, you could see the literal disbelief on their faces. They were like... And her argument was some of these kids aren't there long enough to need that. But it's just so... It's so false. Like, yeah, if they're passing through for 12 hours, maybe the way these things are designed, sure, sure you probably don't need to brush your teeth for 12 hours. You're okay. Um, most of these are there for much, much longer. Some of these kids have been there for months now. And there was obviously truth to this because a lot of them got moved out immediately after this broke. 300, I think, got moved to who who knows what ungodly place they got moved to, but at least yeah. out there. So I actually, I know the answer to some of that as far as, the topic that happened today, okay. uh, a bunch of kids were moved out of a single border station. Now, there, there's multiple camps. Yeah. So this is just a single one. But some were sh- uh, moved to a shelter maintained by Department of Health and Human Services, which I'm not sure if that's even better at this point because they have a say in everything that's been going on. Others were sent to a tent camp in El Paso, one that we're familiar with. Yeah. Tent. Literally tents. Out in El Paso, Texas. That's probably... In the summer. I can't imagine that's very cool this time of year. No. Yeah, absolutely great. not. All this is just so fucking despicable. And this might be the most F-bombs I've dropped on a single podcast, but I'm... This is worth getting so fucking angry about. So <laughs> angry about everything that's going on here. It is so obscene that our government is okay with allowing this and that our media is okay with allowing this in a lot of ways. I know people are reporting on this, definitely. I'm seeing the stories. But this should be front and center every single day until these camps are closed. I shouldn't have to go get these stories on Now This. And shout right. out to them. Incredible. They do everything they put out is just so on point. But this should lead every news story on every local news, every major syndication, every newspaper. Like, this is the stuff that we admonish 
other dictators, administrations, countries for. We're doing it right now, right here. In our backyard. We're literally watching a administration dehumanize people to the point that this doesn't even make a fucking blip on the radar. Like the words bodies and illegals. That's like the reason. all of this is on purpose. If you're out there and you're believing this, you're literally getting mind fucked. They are training you into thinking these people aren't your neighbors, your children, your friends, children. Like this is exactly what the fuck is happening in our own country. Where we like to consider ourselves the good guys in every situation. The leader in human rights. Right. We like to pretend that we are. And here's the thing. You can't be the good guys if you're not going to treat other people as human beings and give them basic rights. A lot of these children and families coming in that they're splitting apart are here claiming asylum legally. Let's make that very clear. The majority. Don't say some. Separating a kid from somebody that is not their parent because they're trying to get into the country is one thing. But we're talking less than 1% of these cases for that, right? This is, it's legal, like you just said. Yeah. Like It is legal. Let's, let's clarify that for listeners because I, I had this argument with a, a couple friends recently that they said, well, they shouldn't come in legally then if they don't want to be separated. They know. It is perfectly legal in the United States to show up at any port of entry, so you go to any official border crossing Anywhere. area, and say, hey, our life is shit where we're from. Please let us in. We want to claim asylum. Yep. And you can claim asylum for any number of reasons. Persecution, or you know, fleeing violence. War-torn. You know, any yes. of that. And we're supposed to be the country that accepts these people. That's what we've been built on. It's what the freaking Statue of Liberty is... A testament to this is the exact opposite of liberty and justice for all and we're just instead of saying you know what come on in we'll help you out we're saying yeah how about we just put you in a cage and lock you up and put you in shittier conditions than the ones you left these are the weak poor huddled masses yeah that are supposed to be coming to our country and the other side of it too is like they're like well they're doing this so that way the rest of these people are going to try to come are going to see it and not come First of all, if your choice is death in your country or a chance, you're probably taking it. Number two, these people in caravans aren't exactly watching cable news on their way. So a lot of these people don't even know this is happening. Right. Like they are coming here because our country has always allowed you to come claim asylum legally at these border points. And it brings me back to when Trump first started addressing this. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when he said... When these people come over, we don't even need judges. There shouldn't judges shouldn't even be involved. We should right. just send them right back to where they're from. It's unbelievable, man. I, I'm so frustrated by it. It's the saddest thing. There's a couple other things I want to touch on here. There's a couple groups you can donate to if you want to support the rights of these human beings. Uh, you can donate to uh, Racies. That's uh, R-A-I-C-E-S. Go there. They've done a great job of trying to get some families out of these camps get them legal representation. Uh, fantastic group to work with. And of course, the uh, ACLU, you could donate to them in any of the border states. They've been very active in trying to put a stop to all of this. And of course, pressure politicians about this. We should be calling them every single day. It doesn't take much to call and just say, hey, I don't support this. Make sure my candidate, my representative, 
my sender is against this. Leave a message if no one picks up. If their mailbox is full, send an email. It's very simple. There are templates out there. We'll share some in the footnotes. We'll share phone numbers for everyone in the government. You can call these people at their office anytime and someone usually picks up, but otherwise leave a message. Let them know this is just completely unacceptable in our country. And we cannot pretend to be the leader of the free world while we have just people in cages here. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of times on here we talk about waiting for the next elections, waiting for the next presidential election to try to shift this. And there's a lot of topics that we can wait on. Um, this is absolutely not one of them. This is a right now call to action. Go. If you have a voice, if you give a shit, call. Call whoever you can. Make your voice heard. And it needs to be fixed. Yeah. And enough pressure on, as we've seen Trump back off his immigration raids, bombing Iran. If we can get enough pressure in the right spots, we might be able to actually make a difference here. Maybe not. Maybe this just keeps going until we get new leadership, but we should do everything we can. We can't, we can't turn a blind eye to this and say, hope the next president doesn't have a separation policy. No, it has to happen right now. Yeah, there are literal lives on the line. So the sooner we can end this, the better. Before we get off that topic, I just want to end on a rant. I am so sick of seeing on social media right now people arguing the nuances between concentration camps today versus back during the Holocaust, as if we're comparing what camps are today to what we found out at the very end of World War II, that holy shit, they were gassing, starving people to death, working people to death, that maybe wasn't public knowledge. But like, that's not how those camps started. Nazi Germany did not start killing Jewish people or anyone they had deemed undesirable day one. They started by rounding people up and putting them into camps and dehumanizing them little by little until the public stopped giving a shit about them so that they were free to do whatever they wanted to those people in the camps. So stop being disingenuous if you're one of those people that are out there saying, well, they're not, they're not Holocaust camps, so it's not as bad. It can be that bad. We're not at that point yet. But if no one speaks up, they're going to progressively get worse. And this is literally the greatest shame, I think, of our lifetime right now in this country. Witnessing this happen, if we just let it slide and let immigrants be dehumanized more and more to the point where people just see them as animals that deserve to be exterminated, then we failed as human beings. And I don't know what we do at that point. Like, we don't deserve to have this country anymore. We're all complicit. Yeah. Every single one of us. All right. End of rant. Jeff, that was uh, some heavy topics there. We'll try to lighten the mood, bring our listeners up a little bit here with uh, a little fun. We'll have our weekly quiz at this point. Okay. You ready to be on the hot seat? Pumped. All right. You I don't do know so what well on is. these. What do you think we're doing this week? Well, someone just announced their candidacy for president that's never going to win. So maybe that's Oh, person. another one of those people? Yeah. One of the many? <laughs> no, this is going to be very different this week. Okay. We're getting off the Democrats. Republicans? Yes. Hey, Romney? <laughs> no, the Republican. This is going to be a Donald Trump quiz for you, my what? friend. What? And I'll be honest, I'll probably end up drinking with you on a lot of these because I feel like I know him well. Strange questions here. I feel like our producer should get in on this. This is a historic moment. Not we're only gonna be able to do one Trump quiz, right? Yeah, yeah right. let's go. I'm we in. Sh- we should have a couple voices here. You should get your adult apple juice and uh I've got my adult apple juice. I'm ready to go. 
All right, so the rules of the game, as always, I will ask a question. Today we will have Jeff in the hot seat, joined by our producer on the board, Yogs, answering the questions. Every time they get one right, I will drink. If they get it wrong, they will drink. No cheating, Yogs. I know you're sitting next to me. Don't look at my screen. You're get out of here. No, I won't. Question number one about Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Mm. Donald Trump's grandfather changed his last name upon immigrating from Germany. What was his original last name? It's probably a softball for you guys. Was it A, Fisher, B, Meyer, C, Drumpf, or D, Schmidt? I will go with C, Drumpf. Shout out to John Oliver. <laughs> I, well, I, he's giving it away there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff will also that was a, C. Yeah, that was an easy one. I just want one where I can drink. So, Perfect. cheers, gentlemen. His name's it's better off as Drumpf. Yeah, it, I think it's more apropos of his personality and like just his the caricature he's become. He's a Drumpf. Yeah, he looks more like a Drumpf. Question number two. As of June 19th, it's the most recent time I get these stats. Okay. How many times has Donald Trump gone golfing? Is it A, 100 times? B, 199 times? C, 150 times? D, 220 times? D, 220. I'm going to go with A, 100. So, Jeff, you're going 220. Yep. Yogs, you're going 100. The answer is actually B, 199 times. That's enough. That's a lot in two and a half years. And what would the cost of that be, Kevin? I'd love to know. I would also love to know. I'll put that in our footnotes. I'll look that up. You know what's even Uh, funnier, though? Do you remember when he was campaigning and said all the times about Obama going golfing and said he had no time for golf if he was president because all he would do is working? Yep. The actual quote is, I'm going to be working for you. I'm not going to have time to go play golf. I wrote that down. He said that in August 2016. Yep. So basically, he's gone over half a year. He has an outside shot by the election time to almost have close to a year's worth of golf days. It's insane. He uh, has spent more time golfing than any other president. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was the leader, and he's going to far outpace him. Well, let me ask you, though. Is he at least playing, like, county courses to give some money back to some of these towns? He plays his own own courses every time. Wait, what? Trump courses. Are you surprised? That make millions of dollars, by the way. Incredible. To answer your question, Yogs, about how much does it cost taxpayers, about $104 million so far. And that's similar to what I had read. And what's interesting to me is he keeps complaining about the price of the Mueller report, which right. was for our million. national security, what, it, $40 million And it actually made money. So. Yeah. And <laughs> Dan cost, but he keeps bringing up that cost. But I've never heard any Republican bring up the cost of this. That's a lot of trips. money to go golfing. That's so much money because he's got to pay for security. I like golf. Salute, yeah. Donald. Keep hitting the ball. I like it, too. Yeah. Well, he cheats at golf, too, according to the Rick Riley book. Yeah. Which is Save that for our uh, sports podcast. Yeah. Yeah, for comparison's sake, uh, Barack Obama golfed 308 times during eight years. Donald Trump will probably pass that in three years. I, I knew I, some of my Republican friends will, will uh, give me shit saying Obama played a lot of golf. He did play a lot of golf as well, 308 times yeah. during eight total years. Donald ne- Trump at 199 times in two and a half. And he never almost bombed Iran. Right. Let's yeah. also say this real quick. I don't care that the president golfs because that's like the highest pressure job in the world. You should have something that allows you to take a breath and do something you enjoy. If it's enriching yourself, kind of against the emoluments clause. So no, but yeah, you know, if he was playing at the County course down DC, sure. Enjoy your life. Or if he didn't criticize the former president for doing the same, same. Exactly. Yeah. That's the bigger issue in my mind. Yeah. Question three. 
Donald Trump has been accused of sexual assault by how many women? 10, 16, 12, or 20? B16. B16, yeah. Wow. I'm very impressed, guys. Yeah. Great yep. job keeping up on this. I almost think you should have made that an answer out loud question, but you're right. Yeah. I wouldn't oh, even. I, would, I told them right away that I didn't The second, the, yeah. You got, yeah, both we of you look like you knew it immediately. Drink oh. for your softball question. Yeah. All right. How gross is that? That's disgusting. 16 and, and women have credibly accused him of assault. And much courage to the latest victim. I'm going to call her that alleged victim to be to say no, that. No, you can just say good. victim. Okay. Who went <laughs> Donald on. Donald Trump's not suing us. Okay. Who went on. Well, he sues everybody else. So you never know. But who went on the Today Show this morning and pointed out a pattern in all this, which is quickly deny and then go into an attack, attack on the victim. Yep. And then deny again and keep attacking the victim until it turns around on them. And it's a pattern that's been used 16 times now and it'll probably work again because that's how it is. Well, the crazy thing about this is people are saying that she's trying to do this for some kind of celebrity, right? How could anybody watch what happened to the first 15 people and be like, that looks like a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Or see what happened to Kavanaugh's accusers and be like, I want to do that too. And I may be wrong, but I don't think any of them are financially enriched by this. So some context to that. You're talking about uh, Jean Carroll, a, you know, an author that just came out in her book writing about that. That was actually going to be our rapid fire things to keep an eye on at the end. But yeah, now is a good a time as any in the middle of our quiz to stop and recognize the fact that this is another credible story accusing Donald Trump of rape. She was working at a department store at the time. He brought in some lingerie, asked her to try it on, and then forced himself on her. <laughs> and God, that just makes me gag thinking about that. Donald Trump forced himself on anybody. So disgusting. And this guy is now the president of the United States. Yep. Yeah, so we're 16 in, but, you know, wasn't the lead story on any cable news network. It, it wasn't even the lead story in the New York Times that was publishing. It, it fell put into it in the, the, book the, the book section because they were talking about this is her brand new book, talking about it. This should be front page news. This would derail any other presidency. We impeach Bill Clinton over a blowjob and we have 16 accounts Credible of sexual accounts. assault. If you look at his denial on this and look at his denial on paying Stormy Daniels, they're identical in tone and everything else. Well, he has a very limited vocabulary. All right. Uh, two and one. Two and one, both for, of you. For the good guys. Tied right now. All right. So question number four. Donald Trump is the fifth president in history to win the Electoral College while losing the popular vote. How many votes did he lose by? Is it A, 750,000? B, 1 million, C, 500,000, or D, 3 million? I'm going with 1 million. Jeff? 3 million votes. 3 million is correct. And you can remember that. Yep. Yogs, you got to drink on that. All right. I will drink with you. 3 million votes. Lost by 3 million. Well, there's a million illegal Californians that voted, though. Oh. (laughs) Oh. But you might remember after the election, he said there was voter fraud to Uh, to the tune of... Three million votes. Exact the amount. Exact, exact amount, amount that amount. he would. That number sticks in his craw on a daily basis. Oh god, yeah. When Justin Trudeau coughed the other day as the super troll of Trump, he should have coughed three million. Final question. Three and one here. Yeah, Jeff, you're up. Hey, you two and two. Yes. How many casinos of Donald Trump's have failed? A. Is it three? B. Four. C. Five. Or D. All of them. 
D, all of them. <laughs> I will also go D, all of them, but the caveat that none of them failed because if you listen to him, it's somebody else's fault. So they didn't fail. <laughs> somebody else screwed up. Like the city of Atlantic City. The casino still failed. I didn't ask whose fault it was. <laughs> if I'm going to answer a quiz about Donald Trump, I'm going to give his answers. Damn it. No, I'm going to go with D's. It doesn't yeah. make sense it was someone else's fault because his airline did so well. His college did so well. His water. His water was amazing. Um, I mean, he has one blip on the radar. Yeah. Just, One just bad in Denver. We all have that, right? We all make a mistake. Yeah. We all we, just weren't his thing. We've all gone bankrupt. Yeah. All of, of us. Right? Yeah, all of us have, have filed for bankruptcy due to that. Our winner this week is Jeff with On a 4-1 record. I know Mr. Yogs Trump. With a 3-2. and two. I'm going to slither respectful. away. Terrible job. Go, go back over there to the soundboard, man. Get, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Drink that beer and get out of here. <laughs> Drink your adult apple juice, sir. Topic I can't believe we haven't done that yet. Good job by you. Thanks. We'll try to mix it up. I w- going forward, I would love to hear some listener suggestions on topics for quizzes. And do we have an email address? That's what I was thinking about. We that do have an email address. Somebody asked me if yeah. they could email me some suggestions. I didn't have it. So. We do. It's uh, drinkingliberallypod at gmail.com. Okay. Send us hate mail. Go ahead. All of it. <laughs> if it's good enough, we'll have you on as a guest. There we go. <laughs> I like that. That's a good vetting process. <laughs> So thanks, gentlemen, for playing some trivia. That was fun. And on that note, on to our fake news of the week. This will be another Twitter story that we came across that's kind of blown up over over social media right now. It has to do with what's going on in Oregon. If you're not familiar, uh, over in Oregon, the state Republican senators have skipped out of town to avoid having to vote on a climate change bill. Uh, specifically, that bill is a uh, you know a cap trade bill where you'll start taxing people based on you know carbon emissions, and they don't want to vote on it because I guess they don't like doing their jobs or saving the world. But okay. yeah, so a little more it's a little more complicated than that. Right now, the state legislature is controlled by Democrats. Salute, <laughs> and they cannot vote unless they have a quorum of people in their state senate, which in this case would be twenty. Democrats have 18, so they need two people to stick around to get to that 20 number so they can hold votes. Republicans said, we don't like this bill. We don't want to vote on it. So we're going to just fuck off for a little while until our legislative session ends and then effectively kills the bill. Not just fuck off. Leave the state. They had to leave the state. (laughs) They had to because... In response to all of this, Governor Kate Brown ordered the state police to track down these Republican senators, state senators, and return them to the state house so they could have these votes. Politics are broken, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we go too far into this and get to like what the fake news part of this is, let's provide some context because I know some of you out there who always like to try and keep me honest, and I appreciate that, will bring up the fact that, yes, this has happened before. Democrats and Republicans alike have pulled stunts like this. It's like the step cousin to the filibuster. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's If I'm not there and you don't have enough people to vote, well, you can't have the vote. Yeah. It's, I mean... This happens. I get that. Ridiculous concept that we even allow this to happen. Uh, my favorite story of it, which I'm not sure is entirely true, but I like to imagine it is, <laughs> is that uh, Abraham Lincoln himself jumped out a window to avoid a quorum in Illinois. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> That's the situation in Oregon right now. We have a big chunk of their state government just on the run from police because they don't want to vote on a climate change bill. It's going to be a great movie one day. Yeah. 
These same state Republican senators also pulled this stunt when it came to a uh, school funding bill. Yep. Recently. So this is in their playbook. They know it works for them. So they're going to keep doing it. Shout out to Kate Brown, though. Mobilizing the police like, hey, no, 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 no. no. It's, a, it's, it's a gutsy move, to be honest with you. One that I'm not sure if it'll backfire on Democrats because Oregon's a very Republican state. Well, you, it may until some of the, the one Republican, uh, if you have this in here, came out and said, send bachelors and they better be heavily armed because I'm ready for them. Um, yeah. Wild. Yeah. So that's um, Senator, State Senator Brian Boquist, Republican, who said, send your bachelors, implying I don't, don't send widows. married men. I don't want to leave widows, basically. Right. Declaring war against the police. Yeah. <laughs> He follows that statement up. They send bachelors and come heavily armed with, I'm not going to be a political prisoner in the state of Oregon. It's just that simple. This man blatantly, explicitly threatened law enforcement. And guess what's going to happen to him? Nothing. Absolutely Absolutely nothing, because he's a white guy. Could you imagine anyone else saying this? Could you imagine a Black Lives Matter activist saying something like that? Yeah, like send police, for, but make sure they're bachelors and come heavily armed. Imagine if this was Sean King or Deere McKesson. Like, no, and people would be just up in arms saying, how their, dare these the people. The feds yeah. would be at their doors Absolutely. tomorrow. This guy is threatening the lives of police officers. And if Republicans who are so pro-police and pro-America that they get offended by people kneeling during an NFL game, don't rebuke this guy, then, man, your hypocrisy is on full full show here. But we Everyone sees it. We know this. This is not news. I know, but just to point this out again. You know what they're going to say? If you're going to argue that this, that you're so pro-police and that you love them and they can do no wrong, and then you support a politician that is actively calling for people to come and try him because he'll be heavily armed and he's going to put up a fight against them, then... Man, I don't, I don't know if you're worth rescuing at that point. Like, nah, I don't man, know this is a white Republican politician. Do you know what this is to those same people that hate Colin Kaepernick? What's that? This is a combination of the First and Second Amendment. He's using both. It's right? un- unbelievable. He's, he's using his freedom of speech and his right to bear arms, period. Unbelievable to me. Because in my mind, Democrat or Republican pulls a stunt like this. Let's get off the whole yeah. threatening police right. part. Uh, and back to the topic of just skipping out of the state. Because that's where most of them are. Most of those Republicans are now in Idaho. They're out of the state, <laughs> so they can't be brought back because they cross state lines. State police have no jurisdiction. That Best Western bar is probably really fun. My God, yeah. It's <laughs> I just imagine they're all crammed into like one Motel 6 room together. Sharing doubles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, if you're going to skip out on votes like that, that to me is an abdication of duty. Here's the thing. You're upset that Democrats have control of the government there well campaign better because the democrats were voted in and everyone that sits there and cries well democrats should get over it donald trump's president grow up yeah flip it around and look at this situation because the government is supposed to represent the masses and the popular vote there and right now in oregon that's what happened they've got a democratic governor they got a democratic state senate and republicans are just whining that they lost and I'm going to throw such a temper tantrum, they had to take it across state lines to get out of there. That's the background. That center hasn't responded to any emails as of today, but uh, 
the state Senate has actually said that we don't want any part. Yeah. He's going to have a great spot, landing spot in the NRA. Don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be president of the NRA in no time. And I know we, we started this segment by calling it the fake news of the week. And we're getting there. We're getting there. And that's going to have to do with the Oregon GOP's Twitter account's response to all of this. So the GOP Twitter in Oregon tweeted a photo of a ton of people standing outside the state house with the, quote, heavily armed militia lays siege to Oregon's capital as Senate Democrats cower in fear, which is a kind of terrifyingly dystopian headline there, except for the fact that that didn't happen. There were threats from uh, right-wing, I almost call them white-wing, but kind of the same, one the same, right? <laughs> white right-wing <laughs> militias that were saying, hey, we stand with our Republicans, we're going to bring our guns and go, you know, stand at the uh, the state house and prevent this from happening. And that threat was so real that state Democrats canceled their session this past Saturday due to threats. So that was the cowering and fear part? And yeah, so the Oregon GOP, the official Twitter account of a Man. major political party, decided to poke fun at that idea. Yep. In multiple ways, right? Why we'll consider this fake news is because a lot of people took this at face value. And we'll get to a little bit of like why it shouldn't be taken that way. But at face value, what this was, was a tweet showing dozens and dozens of people outside angry at Democrats. And the fake news part of it begins, one, with the photo. The photo is actually from a trucker rally from uh, a couple weeks prior. So not even the same event. Also, none of them had guns at the trucker rally. Well, that's why I was talking. It got me at first. I was like, oh, because you oh, look at the shit. crowd, you're like, holy shit. And then I zoomed into the force. crowd and I'm like, I don't see any AR-15s. Yeah. So unless they're all just, you know, right. concealing them. <clears throat> so one, they used an incorrect photo. And upon further review, what this really was, was a effort of trolling on the GOP's side. What they did here, if you spent any kind of time in the you know, the bowels of the internet, or even just Reddit, which also, I guess, kind of doubles bowels the bowels the sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they tweeted this in the manner of a, um, a fake history porn subreddit. Yep. Where they're being sarcastic and saying, yo, this is the heavily armed militia. Meanwhile, picture shows no arms. And Democrats cower in fear, relating it to the current event yep. topics. Right where Democrats canceled their session. Right. This is so freaking irresponsible for any official account of a government entity to have tweeted. I, I just, this is not a random Redditor. I put this on Twitter as I like first saw it because I was so f- flabbergasted by this <laughs> that it's an attempt at a meme, essentially, by the GOP Twitter account. Dangerous as that shit. fails miserably because a lot of people are going to take it seriously. Jeff, like, did you First see all, this tweet? I had, yeah. So I had to zoom in to see if they didn't have guns. But the picture's super blurry. You can't really see what's going on there. Very, very easy to think that this was just some kind of, like, attempt at an overthrow. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why that's scary is because how easy is it for you to take that 
image and that tweet, not understand the sarcastic context, screenshot that, send it to Facebook, say, we're fighting for our rights right now. Here's a bunch of militiamen fighting for our rights. Not only is it easy, it, it, that definitely happened. Exactly what you're saying happened. And if so any bad actor that looks at this, now you've kind of desensitized a bunch of people to it. And they're going to say, oh, shit, look at that. You're right. We do need to stand up and fight for this. And if you're listening to this from a place that doesn't have militias, right, and you think this is all nonsense from the start, not true. Um, I grew up in Michigan, um, and it's a real thing. So something like this could absolutely positively happen. So it's not something that you can kind of joke about because it's rooted in reality. I'm sure Oregon has. I don't know them as well as I know Michigan's militia, but... That's a real, real thing, like really heavily armed with base camps, with meetings. Like it's it's not a joke. Like that's they're there in case the government gets too powerful. That's their mission. Two things on that point. So you, you brought up uh, just Oregon in general. And Oregon has a history of just being a haven for gun toting, right wing, yeah. in many cases, white supremacist groups. And you can love guns. Don't get me wrong. Enjoy shooting your guns. Shooting guns is fun, but these people take it as a like a birthright that they will kill other Americans over. So Oregon's a weird place when it comes to that. There's a lot of different groups that spread out there. We look at Portland. You see groups like the Proud Boys. It's a, a white supremacist group. Call them what they are. They stage protests. They stage demonstrations all the time. It really is a super weird place, though, because also some of the more progressive people. What? When you come to That's other, other they, towns. They yeah. protest in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Portland right. is famously a liberal city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also attracts these far right people as the, you know, what they see as a counterbalance to it. It's incredible. Jeff, you brought up in Michigan, which I'm fascinated by. Yep. Do you know, let me borrow your parlance here. Um, can I ask you a question? Please. <laughs> So are the militia out there, are these just gun rights advocates? Are they actually like right-wing conspiracy theorists? I was a little bit younger, so I'm sure I didn't. There's probably, there might have been supremacist overtones and stuff I didn't see. But most of it was literally like we need to have arms to overthrow the government if they infringe on our rights or get wow. too powerful. Um, that was kind of the overall... And again, I'm talking, I'm 16, 17, eight years, 18 years old, you know? So at that point, I don't even know what a lot of this was. So I'm sure there was a lot of overtones there, but very powerful, very prevalent, very, very, very prevalent. So that's some scary shit. <laughs> in Michigan, it was like seven people in a barn on a farm. Right. So they're not really going to protect us if the government decides to become a dictatorship. Yeah. But eh. last thing on this topic Something I just find fascinating, and it comes up every so often uh, whenever there's, you know, a gang killing or a terrorist attack or a white supremacist shooting up a school or something like this is just the terms we use. And we've, we're guilty of doing it right now, actually, because we keep calling these people militiamen, both in Oregon and Michigan. And I want to make it clear that in the vast majority of our population, if we're talking about that same group, you change the race of those people, and you change the term that you use to call that, right? So, for example, like, black or Latino people with guns, everyone calls that a gang. You call Muslims with a gun, terrorists. White people with a gun, that's either a lone wolf or a fucking militia if it's a group. When I lay it out that way, if you don't see a problem with that, then 
I guess we'll, we'll dive a little deeper for you then. Because it's all the same. These are just people with guns. And the fact that militia in this country has, I don't want to say a positive connotation. I don't think it has a positive connotation in most of the country, but at least a neutral one. Where you could be like, oh, well, no, that makes sense. Because a you know, Second Amendment talks about a well-regulated militia. That yeah. means these are the good guys, right? Yep. And then meanwhile, obviously, terrorists, negative connotation there. Gang, negative connotation there. And it's used in a derogatory fashion to describe any group of uh, Non-white people, people of getting together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should be very careful when we digest media content that discusses groups like this. While they prefer to be called a militia, a lot of the times they're just white domestic terrorists. I'm going to say most of the time right? they're white domestic terrorists. And maybe we should be more comfortable saying that because we've given them a pass for way, way too long. So yeah, keep that in mind whenever you see these news stories about a gang or a terrorist or a militia. Just the way that we've become kind of biased to the language there and we just accept it at this point. And on that note then, we're going to close out this week's episode with a few rapid fire things to keep an eye on. Just two topics today. Number one will be the New York effort to legalize weed. It failed, but baby steps here. New York did decriminalize small quantities of marijuana and agreed to expunge criminal records for anyone that would have been convicted of a crime that is now legal. Those expungements can actually help uh, 600,000 New Yorkers with their criminal records. This is a, a great sign, great step in the right direction. Really happy this is going on right now. While legalization hasn't happened, that's still on the table for future sessions. So more to come on that angle. And then finally, positive news as we wrapped up with last week. More positive news today from U.S. Women's Soccer. They continue to roll. Today, as we recorded on Monday, they beat Spain 2-1, to one, earning them the right to play against France, the host of the World Cup, this Friday, the day this episode airs. So hopefully we'll have something to celebrate. You can... Uh, Sit back, listen to this episode, watch some women's soccer, drink some beers, and enjoy your weekend. America. That's all we've got for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod. You can also check out our website at www.drinkingliberallypod.com. And if you have feedback you want to send to us directly, you can do it through our website's contact form or email us at drinkingliberallypod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got ideas for segments, uh, for quizzes, or, you know, just criticism or hate mail, send it our way. Yeah, We'd love, love to hear it. it. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. And, of course, rate and review us on iTunes if you have not done so already. We truly appreciate everyone that has done so. You are our heroes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to the hundreds of you that showed up to our uh, watch party. Right, in retrospect. This yeah. is the retrospective on it. Yeah. Everyone that showed up to the watch party, thank you so much. Tune in next week, everybody. Cheers.